Hey, thanks for joining us at Genesis today. We're so glad to have you tuning in with us. And I just wanna say for those of you that are online, thank you for all the encouragement you have given to us and our staff. We are working really hard to keep people focused on Jesus and to keep the sense of community that makes Genesis feel so special. We're trying, we're working really hard to keep that alive. And so there have been so many encouraging comments that have come our way. And, and I just wanna say on behalf of our staff, Thank you. And on that note, I want to say a special hello to my friend Noel and Roger that I got to talk with this week. I know you guys are tuning in this week. And again, just thanks for tuning in with us and and for tracking along with us through this season. Now, as we begin this morning, I have a question that I want you to think about. And maybe it's a question that a mentor of yours has asked you on occasion, or maybe it's a question that you ask yourself on a regular basis, or if you're really lucky, it's probably a question that your parent or even your in-laws have asked you with some kind of regularity. And I'm going to try to ask it as lovingly as possible. So here we go. Here it is. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? Isn't that a fun question? I asked my daughter this question last night at the dinner table. She's seven years old. And she, was, she said, I don't, even, I don't even know what that means. Because when you're seven, when someone asks you what you're doing with your life, you're eating dinner with your family you're going to school the next day. What you're doing with your life is what you're doing in that moment. But the older you get, there's kind of a a hidden meaning behind this question. And it's really like, gosh, I really hope you're not wasting your life. What are you you doing with your life? And, And I want you to think about this. We're in a season right now for the last five months where everything in our world has been turned upside down and everything's different and changing, right? And there's anxiety and about what to do next and what's gonna happen next. And, and everything is different. Think about how different life is right now from one year ago. The way that we work is different. The way that our kids go to school is different. The way that we interact with other humans is different. The way we shop is different. The way that we gather as a church family, it's all different. And all of that change has got all of us asking some version of this question right now. What are we supposed to be doing with our lives? And I know that you can relate to this. We all can. You're not alone. But here's the good news. Today, we're going to look at a story from the Gospels where Jesus is speaking to his closest disciples, and he gives them an answer to this question that they could take with them, no matter what life would throw at them, no matter where they would go, no matter what they would face in life. If they ever wondered, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Jesus said, just be sure that you're doing this. And here's the good news. The th- same thing that applied to those first disciples applies to every single one of us. And it doesn't matter if we're a kid or, or we're an adult. It doesn't matter if you attend school in a building or you're going to school at home, if you're working or retired, if you're a Republican or a Democrat, if you're a mask or a no mask person, what Jesus has to say for those of us that follow him applies to all of us. And so as we jump in today, I just, wanna, I just want us to agree on this. Let's just listen to what he has to say And let's learn how to apply that in obedience to our lives. So let's pray together real quick and we're going to jump into God's word. Father in heaven, I'm thankful for this story that we're going to look at today in Luke 5. It is so rich. We could teach on this for weeks. I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds to what you want to teach us in your word today. Jesus, give us clarity about what the answer to this question is and and how we live this out, even when we feel unsettled, even when we feel uncertain. Would you help us to follow you closely, to respond in obedience, and to love those around us well? Holy Spirit, would would you help us today as we jump into your word? It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Luke 
chapter five. And I wanna encourage you to follow along with us today because what we're gonna see is Jesus is gonna talk to his disciples and give them an answer to this question. But let me bring you up to speed on what was going on chronologically right now in Jesus's ministry. By Luke chapter five, we're 18 months into his ministry, which many believe was somewhere around the neighborhood of three and a half to four years long. So we're right about at the halfway mark of his ministry. And what we're gonna see today is he's talking with his disciples and there's crowds of people that are coming in. But I want you to imagine that you were with him as one of those closest followers. You've known him for a year and a half now. You have traveled several hundred miles on dirty roads to, from village to village to see Jesus, to watch Jesus do the things that he, he does. And, and here's what you've seen him do so far. He's changed water into wine. You've traveled with him to Jerusalem. You've gone with him to Samaria. You've seen him heal a man's son from a couple villages away. You've even traveled to Jesus to his hometown and he almost got thrown off a cliff. And one thing is for certain, every time Jesus is around, something exciting is going to happen. But here's the deal, 18 months into his ministry, huge, massive crowds of people were showing up to hear what he had to say, to watch what he was going to do. And so imagine you're one of those followers because all of this kind of culminates here in Luke chapter five. Let's pick this up in verse one. It says this, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Now, some of your translations might say the Lake of Gennesaret, but the Lake of Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee, same place. It was a place that Jesus and his disciples would have been very familiar with. So one day he was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Now I want you to pay very close attention to this, washing their nets, okay? That's gonna come up in just a moment. But you can picture the scene here, right? Jesus shows up, the crowd show up, they're, they're outdoors, they're on the lake, they're on the shore, and nobody is paying attention to social distancing. They're pushing in on Jesus. And so he looks over and he sees one of his buddies there, Simon. And he says, hey, I, I need to borrow your boat. And then he gets into the boat and they shove off from the shore just a little bit so Jesus can teach to this crowd of people. Now, one thing about this guy, Simon, just so you know, if you've ever heard of a guy in the New Testament named Peter, same guy, Simon, Peter. In fact, that's actually gonna come up later in the story as well. So look at what happens next. He's teaching from the boat. And then after he's done teaching, we see this. He stepped into one of the boats. Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. And then we, well, then we have this. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now remember, they're friends. They've known each other for a while. Now I want you to go where it's deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Now Simon, as it turns out, was a professional fisherman. He fished all the time. He got to go everywhere with Jesus. But on this particular day, Jesus is saying, hey, let's go fishing together, which usually that would be a pretty cool invitation, right? But when we read the story, when you read on, you, you realize Simon really wasn't very excited about this invitation on this particular day. Look at verse five. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. We've already done this. We've already gone out. Oh, can you imagine how frustrating that might be? Now, there's a few things that you need to know about fishing that will help make this make sense. Remember earlier when it said that the, the fishermen were washing their nets. Now those nets would look something like this, okay? 
but they would be a lot bigger. Some commentators say that these things could have been like 100 feet long. They were massive nets. And the way you would fish, you wouldn't fish with the pole. You'd take a net like this and you would take it and you'd throw it out into the water and you would drag in the fish. But that's not all. Not only would you fish with a net like that, you wouldn't fish during the day when the weather was hot or warm. You would fish at night so the water would cool off. The fish would come to the surface. You'd throw your nets out and you'd drag the fish into the boat. This was hard, hard work. And the other thing is when you were washing their nets, that means you were done for the day. So Jesus probably knew this. He sees Simon washing his nets and he says, hey, I realize you let's go back out. Now, if you're Simon and you've been out all night and you're a pro, you know when the best time to fish is and you haven't caught anything, you're probably not gonna wanna go back out on the water. And so look at what Simon says. This is really interesting to me. But if you say so, if you say so, Jesus, this isn't the right time, but if you want to, we'll, we'll, we'll go do that. Now, I want to talk to all of the kids out there. I bet you've had a conversation like this with your parents, haven't you? They ask you to do a job that you are really not excited about. Like, hey, I want you to sweep the floor. I want you to mow the grass. I want you to clean your room. And as a kid, you're thinking, that's dumb. I don't want to do that. But you're smart enough to know that you need to do the thing that they're asking you to do. And so you might say, well, because you say so, because you feed me, because you buy me clothes, because you put up with me, because you say so, I'll do the job because I don't want to get in trouble. Now, I know this for sure, but I have a feeling that's kind of what's going through Simon's mind right now. He's probably thinking, Jesus, I, I know a little bit more about fishing than you do and everything about this is wrong. And oh, by the way, we didn't catch anything and I'm tired and it's kind of hot, but, but because you say so, because you can change water to wine. And because when you show up and teach, everybody shows up. And because you can heal people, because we're friends, Jesus, because I trust you. I'll throw my nets out again. Oh, and by the way, there's one more thing to consider about Simon here. I have a feeling that all those large crowds of people that had shown up on the shore to listen to Jesus teach, I bet some of them were still watching and they saw Jesus and Simon shoving off to go out into the water and they were probably thinking, Who, why would you do this? Like, this is a terrible time to go fishing. So Simon's reputation as a professional fisherman is on the line here too, no pun intended. But I want you to pay attention to what happened on this fishing trip where nothing should have worked. Look what happens next. And this time when they went fishing, after fishing all night and catching nothing, this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear and a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Now, how many of you out there enjoy fishing? Have you ever gone fishing and it caught so many fish that your pole started to break? Or you caught so many fish that your boat was physically sinking. Or you caught so many fish, you couldn't put them all in your vehicle to come home. If you were a professional fisherman, if you did this for a living, you just caught so many fish, like you don't even know what to do with yourselves. And this is the situation that Simon and his friends find themselves in. So what do you do? Well, my undergrad is in business. And my business degree tells me, if you have a catch of fish like this, you sell all of them and you buy stronger nets and you go and you buy a bigger boat and you take Jesus fishing with you all the time because he's gonna teach you how to catch fish like this. And then when you get back to shore, you open a food truck and you have Jesus change water to wine while you're selling the fish. You can make all kinds of money on this. This is your retirement plan. You can retire early. This is excellent. And so you would think that Peter and his friends would be celebrating and high-fiving like, this is it. Our ship has come in. Well, you would think. 
But look at what happens in verse eight. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees and said to Jesus, can we please go fishing again tomorrow? Will you please teach me the tricks of the trade? It's not what he says, is it? Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. Doesn't that seem weird? Well, look at what, look what else it says. For he was awestruck. He was in awe of the number of fish they had caught, as were the others who were with him. Now, this is important. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. James and John were also Jesus's disciples. They had known him for the same period of time that Peter had. So all of these guys saw this and their mind was blown. But here's my question. What's up with that response? Have you ever found yourself in a situation like this? You're, you're in a freak out moment. You're having a crisis of faith. And here's why. You trust Jesus. You want to follow him. You know his way is best, but you also like to call your own shots and you like to be in control. But, you all, but then you feel him kind of tugging at you to do something that doesn't make sense. And you're thinking, that doesn't even add up. Like, why would I, why would I do that? That would be embarrassing. People, people might know that I'm a follower of Jesus or, or maybe I, I would just feel dumb. I'm not really gonna do that. And so you ignore this calling that Jesus gives you and eventually you realize that you should have done the thing that Jesus was calling you to do and you find yourself in a boat that's sinking fast and you know it's your fault and you get mad at yourself for being stubborn again. And honestly, you're probably a little frustrated with Jesus because he's always right and you, you have this moment where you're like, look, Jesus, I didn't listen. I never listen. I always mess things up. And so I think it's time for us just to be done. You go your way, I'll go mine. I don't even know what I'm doing with my life right now. Well, I think that's kind of the moment that Simon is happening right here. He was a professional. This didn't make sense to him, but I wanna point out one more thing. Check this out. Luke, when he's writing this story, it, for some reason he transitions here and he uses the phrase Simon Peter. Now remember, he had two names. And, and here's my theory. I think the Simon part of Simon really liked the idea of fishing for fish. And he didn't want to leave that. But, but the Peter part, he wanted to follow Jesus. He knew, but he was split right down the middle and he didn't know which way to go. He didn't know what he was supposed to do with his life. And now Jesus comes along and turns everything upside down. And, and here's the thing. When you're following Jesus around and you're watching him change everybody else's life, it's one, it's one thing, that's exciting. But when he starts to do that in your life, when he starts meddling in your business, when he starts pulling you away from something you love to do something that he wants you to do, well, that can mess with you just a little bit. And it leaves you thinking, what am I gonna do? What am I doing with my life right now? Well, thankfully for Simon, and thankfully for all of us, Jesus is gonna give him an answer to this question of what am I supposed to do with my life? And it, it provides clarity, it provides comfort, it provides a sense of direction and purpose, not just for him, but for all of us. Look at what Jesus says. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Jesus doesn't kick Simon when he's down. He doesn't say, I told you so. He doesn't rub his nose in it. Instead, he says, look, don't be afraid. And he gives him a clear direction of what he's calling him to. And I think he wants to do the same thing for us. But look at how Simon and his friends respond in verse 11. 
as soon as they landed, as soon as they pulled all their boats and all the fish and all the nets up on the shore, they left everything and they followed Jesus. Now, I think everything means everything. I think they left it all there and they walked away. Now, can you find yourself somewhere in this story? I mean, I know I can. Personally, I'm like Simon Peter more than I care to admit I want to follow Jesus, but I want to do my thing too. And I need to be reminded over and over and over again, Jesus has a better plan than I could ever imagine. I just have to, I just have to listen to him, even when it doesn't make sense. And so this brings me back to our original question. What are you doing with your life? What are we doing with our lives right now? Because it's no secret, everything's been turned upside down. Nothing is like it used to be. And we're not really sure what we're supposed to do about it. And on top of that, there's so many things that distract us, so many things that discourage us right now. And it easily takes our eyes off of following Jesus in this mission that he has given us. And oh, by the way, social distancing and COVID-19 really isn't helping the situation, is it? But here's the thing, I'm convinced of this. If we're not careful, all of our efforts to social distance from one another is gonna lead us to social isolation. We're gonna be way off mission for Jesus. We're gonna stop fishing for people. We're gonna isolate ourselves altogether. In, 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 this, in this story, this is why I love this story. The mission is so clear. Don't fish for fish, that's temporary. Fish for people, this, this is eternal. This is the mission that Jesus was calling Peter to. It's the mission he called James and John to, and it's the mission he's calling the rest of us to as well. And here's the thing. This, this isn't complicated. In the book of Acts, chapter two, when the early church was formed, they figured this out. They were under extreme persecution. And you know what it says? They met together in the temple courts, which were outdoor arenas. And they met together in smaller groups and homes. They worshiped together. They shared communion together. They gathered around the apostles, teaching all the things that we do here at Genesis. They figured it out. So why can't we? What is keeping us from fishing for people the way the early church did 2,000 years ago? Is it tricky right now? Oh yeah, sure, it's tricky right now. But does that mean we should give up on the mission? No way, it's, it's, too, it's too important. And Jesus has been really clear about this. I want you to think of it like this. Jesus isn't calling us to a life that we can enjoy, that we can enjoy or barely survive on our own. He's calling us to a new life that's fo focused on reaching others for him. And let me, let me say that again. He isn't calling me and you to a life that we get to enjoy all by ourselves or that we can barely survive all on our own. He's calling us to a life that is focused on reaching others for him and through him. So how are we supposed to do that right now? Well, I think we got to get creative, right? It's, it's not as easy as it used to be, but we have to find ways to gather together. That's why we're worshiping on the lawn. That's why we're having online services for those of you that can't jo join us. But we need to gather in bigger groups and smaller groups alike. And so I just, I just want to talk to some of those of you that have been involved in groups here at Genesis in the past. I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you to find ways to come back together. You have met in groups with people that you love. You probably consider a lot of them to be your family. And it's challenging and it's scary, but, but you can do this. Here's the thing. In the book of Acts, guess who Jesus entrusted to get that off the ground? 
Simon Peter and his fishing buddies. They met together outdoors. They met together in homes and they figured it out. And the more they fished for people, the more people came. And so that's why it's so important for us right now to get back to the basics. This is what we want to see happen at Genesis this fall. We want to see the sense of community that is focused on Jesus that makes this place so special. We want to see that come to life all over again. And it's gonna take all of us getting in on it. So if you've been a part of a group in the past, in the past well, why don't you reach out to one another and find some ways to re-engage. You can meet outdoors. You can meet in a garage, in your driveway. You can cook out whatever it is that you choose to do, but find ways to make it happen. We have a group that meets in our home on Thursday nights. And for the last several weeks, we've been meeting out on our back deck because we love each other too much to not be together. And we laugh together. We play games. We pray for one another. We, we, we study scripture together, but we do it all because we love Jesus and we love one another and we can't stand being apart. It's too important for us right now. And it's, it's important for all of us. But maybe you're not part of a group or maybe your group has just dissolved and you're looking for something new. Well, I wanna share something really exciting with you. These outdoor groups that we're talking about forming in September is something that you can be a part of. And the purpose of these groups is just like, just like it sounds, to meet outdoors where you can be with other people and get to know them and care for one another. So if you like to run or walk or mountain bike or disc golf or golf or, or grill out, whatever it is you like to do outdoors, we wanna help you start or be a part of a group like that so you can meet some new people. You can have some people that are checking up on you that you can check up on and you can take care of one another. You get to be the church. We get to be the church with and for one another. We can do this, Genesis. We have to do this. This has been the mission from the very beginning because Jesus knew all along, we need community. We need one another. And the reason we fish for people is because Jesus fishes for us. He fished for Peter, he fished for James, he fished for John. And now he wants us to go fish for the people in our lives that are far from God, that are distant. And he wants us to help them find their way back to him. This is what we get to do together. So again, I'm just gonna come back to our question. What are you doing with your lives? What are we gonna do with our lives as a church family? He's called us to fish for people and we need to be creative in how we do it. Now, for those of you that are tuning in, uh, maybe you've been investigating Jesus for a while. Maybe you're, you're not part of the Genesis family. You're not really sure how all of this Jesus stuff works. Well, we're, we're so glad that you're here, but we wanna help you take a next step. And that, that next step might include learning what it means to follow Jesus. And, and step one, is admitting, just like me, that you're a sinner. You have messed up your relationship with God in some way. It's damaged. Scripture says that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. But the good news is that even though we've messed up our relationship with God through Jesus, we can be made right. We trust in his sacrifice on the cross on our behalf. And when we put our trust in him, Jesus tells us, Scripture teaches us we are forgiven we are redeemed, we are restored, we are saved. We're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and then we're called to fish for people together. And we get to be a part of this thing that is called the church. And so if you have never made a decision to follow Jesus or to surrender to Jesus, let today be that day. Drop us a comment in the comment section. Email us at info at genesischurch.me. Email me at janeaville at genesischurch.me. Reach out to us. Talk to one of your friends that's following Jesus, but start that conversation. One, if you live your life for yourself right now, it's, it's, it's so temporary. 
But if you surrender to Jesus, you have eternal life that begins right now. And he's going to call you to a mission that is bigger than you could ever imagine. So Genesis Church, what are we doing with our lives? We're going to fish for people and we're going to do it together. And we're going to watch God work in amazing ways. He's going to do things that we could never imagine. Let's do this. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I, I'm so thankful again for this story. It's so rich. There are so many details in this story that when we know them and we study them and we apply them, it just gives us this clarifying idea of what we're supposed to do with our lives. So Jesus, will you help us to stay focused on what you have for us? Holy Spirit, would you give us clarity and creativity in how to gather in large groups, how to gather in medium-sized groups, how to gather in small groups, and would you help us to begin to fish for people in new and exciting ways? I pray for the people that we know, our neighbors, our coworkers, our family, our friends. Holy Spirit, would you burn bright inside of us? Help us to, to shine brightly in this dark world and let them be drawn to us so as we fish, we can see you working on their behalf in and through us. I pray for my friends that are tuning in today, Jesus, that have not surrendered to you. I pray that you would help them to hear your voice very clearly. And I pray that you would lead them in surrendering to you and making their lives all about you as we fish for people together. Jesus, we love you. We need you. Teach us how to do this. It's in your name we pray.